speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I've had the opportunity to counsel a few couples who have come to me uh, for me to marry them, and there's um, a couple uh, of these couples in here today. And, and, and when I, the first time that I meet with them, I will meet with them, and I will get the story of how they met. I'll get the story of their engagement. Now, I have a, I have a reason for it, because uh, I'm, I'm working up to something when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing this. Uh, and I sort of come back to it, but it's a happy start because it, it, it has happy memories. But one of the things that I can do, you know, if, if, you, if you sort of major on that as you're thinking about marriage is that you can sort of feed into this idea of sentimentality. And I, I handle that much later, not much later, the next, the, the very next session, uh, we, we handle sentimentality. But uh, but, but I had a friend, and he, he's actually a mentor. He actually taught me a lot uh, in, in Birmingham. And, and, and the first thing that he would do when engaged couples would come in to visit with him, he would say this, you have volunteered to suffer. Um, now, 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 that's another way to do it. It's another way to do it. It, it, it takes care of the, of the sentimentality immediately. Um, but one might say, you know, that's so negative. But let's get real here. For two people to, go, to grow into one flesh, some dying and some rebirth must happen. Dying and rebirth must, must happen for two people to grow into one flesh. And the dying, of course, is seeing our own selfishness, our own fear, our own anger, which is very painful. And of course, it is done within the promise made, not just the promise of Christ and the gospel, but the promise that one receives at the, at the, um, at, at the marriage zone, uh, for better, for worse, you know, we're talking about. Um, and, and that promise gives freedom for self-inspection, as it were. Now, just to give you an example, I was married a little bit later in life. So I had had a lot of time to calcify myself in self-service, okay? I had a long time to calcify myself in self-service. And I, and I had all sorts of, of, of opportunities to justify that calcification. Now, self-denial in that respect for me, and it may not have been for you, but for me was very difficult. Now, I'm using marriage because it is meant to reflect the relationship between Christ and his church. And this epistle to the Ephesians is speaking directly to the relationship between Christ and his church. The growth of Christians corporately into Christ. We do it together. We do it together. And really that should be devoid of sentiment as well because only you know just a few times church people don't get along you know most of the time you know I'm being a little bit facetious here but 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 church people just like everybody else in many cases don't get along they squabble they fight you know there have been wars fought the 30 years war uh, you know look that up 
often church people don't get along. And, 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 and when there's squabbling, when there's fighting, whether it be in a church, whether it be in marriage, often Ephesians 4.15 is used. And, and it's often Christians use it with disagreements in the culture too, outside of the church. But they use this, right? Speaking the truth in love. That is, that is, that is a, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Speaking the truth in love. What I'm doing is speaking the truth in love. You know, that, that's what people will tell me. I'm speaking the truth in love. Um, imagine speaking our version of the truth in love. What, what, what does that mean? Because that's sort of where that, the trajectory of that is speaking our version of the truth in love. You know, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm a truth teller. I'm a truth teller. I tell the truth. Well, um, let's talk about that for a second. Let's, let's, let's talk about your ability to do that, your ability to, to, to discern what truth is. Speaking the truth in love. We're so confident in our version of the truth, and we deliver it with a polite smile and not a little patronizing. Have you ever been on the receiving end of this? You ever been on the receiving end of someone trying to speak their truth in love? Well, you probably have. To bring this home, imagine yourself speaking the truth in love in your marriage. Now, I know you have tried it because I have. Honey, before I say this, I just want to say I love you. I, I, just, I just want you to know how much I love you. Before I'm, before I'm about to unload on you. Um, you know, um, and then you launch into this one-sided, half-baked, poorly reasoned complaint that you have, or I have. And of course, she immediately sees your undeniable logic and reforms. That's, that's the way it happens 100% of the time, right? She, she sees the logic and, and he sees the logic and he reforms. And he says, thank you, honey, for showing me the error of my ways. Because that's how it happens, right? That's how it happens. And I have spoken the truth in love. Honey, I can tell by your patronizing criticism how much you love me. Now, am I hearing laughter? I mean, it, 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 you mean that doesn't work that way? Um, well, maybe not. As we all know, it doesn't. First of all, what, what's the problem with this? First of all, our idea of what truth is is lacking, to say the least. You know, I personally, David Browder, I have burned all of my seminary papers so no one could ever read them again. Why? Because what I wrote is Bush League nonsense. I remember when I was first married, all my griping and my belly aching, I was wrong about just about everything. I was wrong about just about everything. But of course I'm right now. Second thing, people just don't take instruction or advice and follow it. It's just not how people work. It's, not how, it's just not how that happens. People just don't say, oh, yes, 
and then reform or follow the, you know, try it with your teenage son. Go ahead. I'll wait here. Call him up. Try it out. See what happens when you get home. Have you ever lectured your husband and been mystified as to why he didn't do what you told him to do? I just can't understand this. And so our opinion that is masquerading as truth tries to get through to one who can't hear it. And so is the Bible, this is the question I have in light of this, is the Bible telling us to do something that doesn't work? No. Unsurprisingly, this verse is more often than not misunderstood. Paul is writing to the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. He's, he's, he's writing about the building up the, of the church into the maturity of Christ. He started with diversity, meaning, meaning uh, individual people in the church. He, he started talking about unity, and now he's sort of back into talking about how diversity works into unity um, uh, from, from a Christian standpoint. So how do diverse individuals grow into Christ corporately? How, do, how, do they, how are they together growing into Christ as the head corporately? Because that, that's what Paul here is interested in. And that's also the mystery of marriage, just with two people, as a sub-society of the church. He gives all these different functions, all these different callings of the church. He talks about ministers of the word like Jeff and me as ligaments, kind of interesting way that he builds up the body because he is talking about the body. How do, do diverse individual Christians grow together into Christ, the telos? Now, the way he did that was he, he ascended. This is in Ephesians here. He ascended to the Father. He ascended so that he could give. He provides. He protects. He sustains. He amplifies his word, and he builds his church from that. And that's the point of speak the truth in love. If you've ever wondered why it doesn't work, that's the point of speak the truth in, in love. What are the saints equipped with in Ephesians here? They are equipped with the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son. So we are not tossed to and fro by seductive doctrine. We're anchored in our faith and assured of God's grace towards us. You see, that, that, that's the gift. He ascended so that he could give. The truth here is not my weak, shabby shot at discerning objective truth. That's not what that is. My airing of grievances and then spiritualizing them. That is not what truth is. It is the truth given to us from the Lord himself. The truth is the witness of the apostles in the Gospels. The truth is the inspired shepherding of Paul in the epistles and Peter and John and, he, and, and the writer of the Hebrews. It is the types and shadows that are given to us in the Old Testament that unveil salvation history and point us to Christ. That is the truth. That is the truth. It comes to us objectively. It is the gospel itself given for the salvation of sinners. That 
is the truth spoken in love. The truth is God came in to have a talk with us about what truth is. There's a lot he can say. And it's all 100% true. Searingly true. But the truth of sin, the truth of transgression, which is a truth that he gives us, meets the truth of the cross. It meets the truth of the cross. There on the cross, all of our transgressions, all of our shortcomings, all of our spiritualized attempts to couch our opinions into something like objective truth hang on the back of another separating us from them as far as the east is from the west are we now beginning to see what truth is it is there at the intersection of sin and grace of law and gospel that humility which that breeds gratitude which that creates and love which is born out of being born again humility gratitude and love have their end in growing into Christ corporately individually so speaking of the character of God Speaking of the grace of Christ, the finality and assurance of the cross, the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit, that's truth. And that's what Paul is talking about. Speak that truth in love, a love that has been cultivated in your heart by understanding the truth. That way, we mature into the fullness of the new creation, the fullness of Christ, our head. And that is a truth that is worth hearing. Amen.